Buzz Lightyear Mission Log, Stardate 3901. After a full year of being marooned, our first hyperspeed test flight is a go. Who are you talking to? Uh, no one. You were narrating again. I was not. Just doing the mission log. You do know no one ever listens to those. I know that. Narrating helps me focus. Ready, Captain Lightyear? Ready as I'll ever be, Commander Hawthorne. This is exciting. A new adventure. I'm going to grant you four minutes to be off planet, but then you come right back to us. To infinity. And beyond. Da, 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 da. You sound insane. You realize that? Oh, yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Welcome into Not About Movies. This week, we are talking about a movie that is 27 years in the making, something like that. Returning to the world of Pixar, an area that we are quite familiar with here at Mad About Movies. Uh, we, are, of course, we are, of course, talking about Lightyear. Chris Evans, Lightyear. I am Brian Gill. I'm your host tonight, and I am joined by my lovely co-host, Kent Garrison. Kent, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great, man. Nothing like seeing a Pixar movie in the summer. Summer with Pixar is truly it's, a tradition. It's a tra- oh, it's a tradition. I hope never goes away, man. Hope it never goes away. It did every, last year. Every May, June, we need it. We need a Pixar. Yeah, yeah, and hopefully they do good at the box office in the future. Um, the we we don't have Richard with us tonight. He had a work thing. I think that that was probably just cover for him not wanting to talk about Pixar. Because he doesn't like to feel things yeah. and have emotions, but you know, I get it. I get it. We all we all have our things. This week, this month can't just a little inside baseball. This month has been a little wheels off for us schedule wise. Um, I know Arby missed last week. I'm going to miss next week. I would think I missed two weeks ago as well. So we will all get it together come come July. It's just this is the uh, this is the time of year where we start stacking up. Uh, you know, work. I'll projects. be here. I don't have a life. Yeah. I don't. I wish that I had been here uh, two weeks ago. I was working, and uh, I'll miss next week. I'm not going to say I'm going to miss it because I do not want to talk about Elvis. I feel pretty confident in that, having not seen the movie. But um, I might would prefer to be here in the air conditioning talking to you guys rather than being at a kids' camp. But that's where I'll be. I'll be at camp. So, did you see the um, Tom Hanks was on Colbert? to promote uh, Elvis. And the title of the video was Tom Hanks says Elvis is the most Boz Lerman-y Boz Lerman movie ever. I was like, is this supposed to make us want to see the movie? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. yeah. Every review, every review snippet I've seen is just, it's, do you like Boz Lerman? Cool. Then this movie's probably going to be good for you. Do you not like Boz Lerman? Maybe a tough time. Mm-hmm. So, I uh hey, hot hot uh prediction. Yeah. We'll put it on record here. I think Austin Butler's probably gonna win best actor. Oh my gosh. Well, he's certainly not gonna win it for the trailer. I think he's horrible in the trailer for that movie. Rami um, won. But that's for that's Freddy. That's all we need to all I need to say. You're right. It's attainable. I do think though A lot of olds in the Academy. <laughs> that's true. I think that Rami I think that Bohemian Rhapsody as a whole is is maybe going to be something that we look back on in 30 years and being like, and that's where things started to shift a little bit because that did not, it was not well received. It was not well received um, that Correctly. that movie did as well as, as it did. 
uh, awards wise. So, but we'll see. We shall see. Um, that's next week. So be looking forward to that. And then, you know, come July, we'll, we'll, we'll get, we'll get the old band back together. It's just, if you would like us to all be here for every single episode, um, like I always say, just hook us up with a with a wealthy benefactor. That's all we need. We just need a, a a fair amount of money, and uh, and we'll make sure that that happens. Um, so no Richard this week, but we're talking about Lightyear. Kent, I'm gonna throw it to you to get us started. You and I both are very very high on the Toy Story franchise. Before we talk about the movie, um, did you feel like this was? I don't want to say necessary because no no sequels, reboots, remakes. Very 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 few of them are necessary. Did the concept of this movie give you any pause or concern or were you just like, I'm, I love Buzz Lightyear. I'm good to go with whatever Pixar wants to do. Yeah, I'm, uh, I was, I was a little bit conflicted at the, at the start. I think in the discord, the VIP discord, sign up mad about movies, podcast.com slash VIP, get access to that. We talk about movie news almost all day, every day in there (laughs) when things happen. I think I was one of the first people that was a little bit confused by the casting of Chris Evans. And um, because I thought if you're going to make a Buzz Lightyear movie, just, just make a Buzz Lightyear movie. You know Um, I think the high concept approach to it did not work in their favor. Like they thought that it would, it didn't reinvigorate life into the character. Um, The biggest thing for me was like, I could have imagined asking my nephew, you know, who's your favorite character? Buzz Lightyear. Well, which Buzz Lightyear, you know, like that to me, that was like a, a confusing element to add to the equation. And um, so I had some hesitancy at the beginning, but once they started to roll out the trailers and kind of explain what this was, I'm like, okay, that that, that makes a little bit more sense there. And um, I was, I was kind of in for this being the movie that inspired the action figure uh, and, and all of that. Uh, so I think I, at the outset of the announcement i was confused and bewildered but uh as the day approached of me going and seeing this i was i was all in and and i was ready for for whatever they uh pixar had for us this time around so i wasn't gonna let that stop me i wasn't gonna let tim allen's absence stop me from seeing this film you know or just the fact that i really like toy story one and three one through three and it should have stopped there and they made four and now they're doing, Oh my God, what are you doing? You know, I think people had that mentality and they just weren't backing down from it. And I think uh, this movie made $50 million, by the way, uh, for, for a little bit of context here. And it, it lost Jurassic dominion in its second week. It was expected to be the, the biggest movie of the week. Mm-hmm. I certainly thought mm-hmm. it was going to be, but Brian, something I didn't think about, I'm predicting that was that was Father's Day weekend. Mm-hmm. How many dads are going to wanting to see that as opposed to Top Gun or Jurassic Park? Not a lot. So I think mm-hmm. that that might have hurt him more than like the the bad the bad buzz. Just like I'm going to a movie with dad. Dad, you get to pick, and that not mm-hmm. being the pick. <laughs> That's kind of how I sure. yeah saw this. I was just several. You know, obviously we we'll, you know, might get into the. Uh, homophobia aspect and you know certain mm-hmm. reasons people didn't go see the movie but i think it was just like a a deadly combination of franchise fatigue confusion mm-hmm. confusing weekend to release it on and some some really bad 
dumb people out there that a reason this thing flopped at the box office. But I was confused at first, but I was all in when I sat down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, I'm in the bag for Pixar. I think you are pretty close to as as well. Um, I had a few friends. <laughs> My buddy Hillbilly Matt that we like to make fun of um, for his terrible opinions, he was just like, this is not... It wasn't a... <laughs> it wasn't a Buzz Lightyear is Tim Allen and Tim Allen only. It was just like a... But that's not that's not really Buzz to me. That's not that's the not character. Buzz right. Looks. That's a different like, character. Yeah. Completely different character. Yeah. I think that they should... No, so, from my own perspective, I was like, that trailer's great i'm all in on this thing it sounds awesome it's going to be a lot of fun um not every pixar movie needs to be wally or up and and emotionally damage us some of them should be really geared at kids and um and so i was i was all in i i do think though that it might the movie might have benefited now you're right i think a big part of why it only made 50 or $55 million, whatever it ended up settling in at. Part of it is uh, Father's Day. Part of it is the sheer number of movies that are at the box office. And this is the first time in three years, literally, that we have had back-to-back-to-back weeks, essentially, where there's a big major motion picture that's at the theaters. And I don't think anybody... I don't think anybody realized how big of a deal Top Gun Maverick was going to be and how much of the box office it was going to be eating up still four weeks in into its release or whatever. So I think all those things are factors. I wonder if it would have gotten a boost just from doing the having the um, like the title card that pops up when the movie v- starts at the very beginning. The in 1995, a boy that named Andy went to see a movie. Um, if you would have put that out there in the trailers and the marketing and whatnot, I wonder if it would have given the movie just a little bit of a, of a boost because I too, I was a little, I don't know if confused is the right word, but I was kind of like, how is this all going to work? How is this playing together? I had seen some of the, the, um, presentations and, and whatnot of like talking about who this character was and Chris Evans saying, you know, essentially this is this is the character that the toy is based on and stuff. But like the second I sat down and I saw this, that title card and I believe it, it, it I'm, maybe I'm, I'm sort of paraphrasing it, but it said in 1995, a boy named Andy went to see a movie uh, called Buzz movie. called Lightyear that he fell in love with. And he ended up buying all these toys. This is that movie. And we're, I've been in my seat for, for 15 seconds and I was like, sweet, got it. Totally understand what this is. And I'm, I'm a hundred percent locked in on the concept of it. Um, and I wonder if, if that would have been a smarter choice to put that out there with the, the, the trailer, with the marketing to kind of maybe soothe over some people who were confused by what this movie was going to be. But I, I don't know. What do you, what do you think on that? Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, something that occurred to me, I got, we'll get into the review portion here now. Um, if you don't mind, Brian, but, um, Something that occurred to me, actually one more thing I want to touch on before we dig into the review is putting this out in theaters as opposed to Disney Plus, right? I've seen a lot of discourse out there of they're screwing over minority filmmakers by releasing Soul and Turning Red only on Disney Plus, and this one is starring a 
a white character directed by a, a white director and it's getting the theatrical release. We talked about this in Turning Red, this exact s- situation of why Lightyear was the choice to go theatrical as opposed to those films. It's mm-hmm. because this is the most valuable intellectual property yeah. that that Pixar has. This is a legitimate franchise. Right. There's toys everywhere. There's product placement everywhere. There's commercials running everywhere. This is their big movie. Turning Red is a is a nice film, but how many Turning Red action figures do you see out there? How many soul stuff do you, you know? It just doesn't have it doesn't lend itself to that aspect of things. And so that's that's the reason. <laughs> and I, I wholeheartedly believe that Pixar has everybody's best interest in mind when it comes to highlighting voices that otherwise would not be heard. And so I just wanted to put that mm-hmm. out there that that that's that's really the re- it's a business perspective. This has the most potential to make money of any of them and uh, that's why it got the theatrical release. Now, um getting into the movie here Brian Here's a question for you. Could they have just done this exact movie and called it Astro Man and it done way better? Was linking it to Buzz what what took it down? Because I think the story elements of this, this is a space adventure film, right? Mm -hmm. It pays homage to sci-fi films of the past. It's exciting. It's funny. It's got memorable characters. Could that have just been... Bob Jones, the spaceman, mm. and this been a great movie, yeah, and maybe made more money on opening weekend. This exact movie, different character names. That's all I'm changing. Changing the spacesuits, changing the character names. I think that it could have been a great movie, regardless. But I, or a good movie, regardless. But I, I think that, I think you were right when you said that the the intellectual property that is this character and the ties to the toy story franchise and stuff, I think has, has real value. So, mm-hmm. so no, I, I think, I mean, you know, <laughs> I might prefer it the other way. Like I might prefer that we don't just have to tie everything into existing property, but that's just the reality of, of, uh, you know, what we're, what, of what this industry is. You got to so keep no, the stock price high, man. Yeah, totally. Well, and I mean, look, the, to kind of play on what you what you said about turning red and uh, soul, Luca last year. Luca right. was a, a, a confusing decision last year. Um, yeah, that felt soul like it. was not. Soul is is exclu- we weren't really there out were of pandemic no movies mode in, though in, at in this theaters. point last year. I think that's more of it yeah. than them but not like, wanting to. Is like they couldn't. Right. I mean, I think that I think that it is very fair to question the decision making that's happening under Bob Chapek. I, I, I don't think that Bob Chapek, Chapek is, is long for that role, but I, I don't think that it was based on who the director is. I think it was, it's based on who the, who the main character is and the, how, what we can sell. I mean, we, we have talked a lot about what is, and is we, you know, we talked about like chip and Jail rescue Rangers the other day and like why in or a few weeks ago, why in the world is this not being released in theaters? That's something that they're going to have to figure out is what goes to Disney plus and what doesn't. And I don't think that they have that all taken care of yet and, and squared away. And maybe that will that will change over time or maybe it will change with a new president and CEO. Um, I don't know. But this is a movie. And I, I'm 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 personally I'm really glad that it that this is a blockbuster kind of movie. It's just animated, you know. Um, and right. I'm, so personally, I'm, I'm very glad that it that it's in the theater and not 
not Disney Plus. As great as Disney Plus is and as, as totally fine as I am watching a movie at home instead of having to pay 50 bucks or whatever to take my kid to the theater and get popcorn and all this kind of stuff. Um, this one, I don't know. I think you and I both are in a camp. It's like I still, there is still something special about the theater or there can be something special about the theater. And this is a movie that I'm really glad that we saw it in theaters and not, uh, not at home. But, um, all right, let's, let's, let's get into the movie. So we, we talked a little bit about the concept, which I love. I, as, again, as soon as, as soon as those title cards popped up, I was like, sweet, I'm, I'm all in. I love this. I thought this was the, maybe the first act was some of the better writing that we've had in the Pixar world for a while. I do think that as the movie goes, and, and that'll be reflected a bit in my, in my review, it does sort of lose a little bit of, of its steam or certainly it's, I don't want to say intelligence, but it's, um, I don't know, it's excellence in, in concept and writing. But I thought the first act with Space Ranger, uh, Crash Landing, the stuff that they do, and then having him willingly jump forward in time four years at a time to try to, to fix his mistake and stuff. I thought that was some great, some great, very, very Pixar uh, type style of 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 writing that comes to fruition in this movie, but I don't know where where do you stand on that? What do you think of of? Uh, I guess give me your your overall kind of general thoughts. Yeah, my overall um, general thoughts is, you know, aside from the the politics of it being a Toy Story adjacent movie, it's one of my favorite Pixar movies I've ever seen. Man, okay, like like this Sweet. was awesome. Um, you know, say what you will about unnecessary or cash grab or whatever. But I mean, this thing was visually fascinating to me. I mean, Pixar can do photo real and animation. Most people can do photo real and animation and CG. You know, you see it in the Mandalorian, you see it everywhere mm-hmm. where you can make things look realistic, but they know that they're an animation company. And so the the line that they draw between realism and animated aesthetic, I find mm-hmm. absolutely fascinating. Like, how real totally. should we make this look? You know, um, what kind of shape should this object have? You know, I thought this was a masterclass in production design and animation design, like with all the ships and all the little elements that were brought into this. I was just I was just blown away at how this thing looked. I thought mm-hmm. I thought the uh, spaceship launch sequences. Were, were fantastic <laughs> you know it reminded me of apollo 13 and and first man and that element of having the and top gun maverick for, for you know to be quite honest mm-hmm. with you had all this had kind of elements of that to it too and the maverick character is kind of like buzz in this he's like you, you're crazy you're out of your mind what are you doing mm-hmm. you know that with the, sure. the guy yelling yeah. at him and so when it came down to it i just sat back and enjoyed the ride and yeah. I freaking I love the ride, man. Uh, the characters mm-hmm. were were fun. There was a reason for the characters to be all different nationalities and to have d- these distinct personalities that I thought was was great. Uh, I think the callbacks to the original Toy Story film were extremely obvious, <laughs> yeah. but um, I think it makes sense that you would give that vocabulary and a thing like yes. this. So it's like, that's yes. why Buzz is saying those because those are in his vocabulary. Those phrases right. are in his book. Vo- Cause that's how Buzz was, you know? So I think it makes sense from that standpoint. 
I thought the callbacks visually to the first movie were great. Like the him looking around the planet and the reflection of himself and the, mm-hmm. you know, like when he arrives on Andy's bed, like almost shot for shot, like kind of doing those moments was a really yes. cool element to it. And so, sure, would I have rather seen Toy Story 5? Absolutely. 10 mm-hmm. times out of 10. I'd rather see a Toy Story movie than almost any movie. But mm-hmm. this isn't. And it's still awesome, right? So, you know, maybe like emotionally, it doesn't say as much as the other Pixar movies do, as a Luca or a Soul or or even mm-hmm. a Turning Red does. Uh, you know, it doesn't feel as necessary in that regard. Like this yeah, is a story sure. we need to tell sure. because it's going to change lives. Right. But I mean, this is pure entertainment. It's pure summer blockbuster popcorn, funny elements, funny characters. It's star Wars. And okay. uh, that yeah. that's fine with me. But again, it could, do they want this to be a friend or are they planning on making light year two? Because I feel like, you know, you do Astro man one, that's successful, then you've got another franchise that's separate from Toy Story that you can spin off, you know? I don't know. I I, I think that the value of this is, a, in at least in concept, is... At the outset, right. In, sure. the, in, how, the, in the pitch meeting, right. Right. How, do we re, how can we relate this back? I also think three of the last four movies we've, we've reviewed uh, are Top Gun Maverick, which is a legacy sequel, Jurassic World Dominion, which is sort of a legacy sequel, but certainly a direct tie to a beloved movie, and now Lightyear, direct tie. Um, we have talked about fan service a lot over the last few weeks, and uh, and that's not going to change. That's just the way that 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 this works now. Uh, there's a way to do it well, and there's a way to do it poorly. This is, I thought the 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 fan service. I loved that he was saying all these things. The the, the his vocabulary is the stuff that the action figure says in in toy story and toy story 3 and whatnot regardless of how you feel about this movie whether you're giving this movie an a plus or a c plus or or whatever else um and i've seen i've seen reviews all over the place on this so i i don't know i don't even know totally where you're going to end up on it i think that it's one of the rare sequel prequel reboot remakes etc that actually like lends some context to the original movies and makes them even maybe a little bit better. Like going back at so, so Cooper and I, this week we watched, I guess on Saturday, we watched all four of the toy story movies before we went to see this. And so they're all really fresh on my mind as I'm sitting down to watch Lightyear. But I love those movies. Toy story three is one of my 10 favorite movies of all time. Toy story. All of those movies are great. I feel like Lightyear now gives me just a little bit more context for why they're so good. Does that make any sense? Because yeah. that, that seems like such a rare thing for most of these, again, prequel, sequel, reboot, remix, etc. I would like a um, a Woody's Roundup movie. Sure. I mean, it, it seems like it's not un, it's not something that's off the table. That's set like point. during yeah. the old TV show, you know, and sure. and maybe it's not Woody, but it's Woody's relative you know a woody you know and mm-hmm. and he has to try to navigate being like a, a television star sure. <laughs> it's just, you know like i think that could be a, an interesting yeah. twist on maybe, maybe doing a former a ohio state center damian woody who's oh the character. That or woody harrelson possible? oh now we're talking we'll go full meta <laughs> okay. uh so i love that and I, I think that you're right it does add context you know what this is brian it just dawned on me as you were talking this is pixar's solo yeah totally totally yeah no I, uh, maybe I, not was, necessary but sure. adds 
adds some really interesting kind of fun context to the whole story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's entertaining as hell if you just turn your mind off and stop thinking about the politics yeah. of, of the canon or whatever is going to oh. offend you going in. And, I mean, I like Solo quite a bit. This is a much cleaner version of of what they're going right. for with Solo. Like, I feel like probably Ron Howard watches watches Lightyear and, he, you know, he's not going to publicly say it, but but privately he thinks, or Kathleen Kennedy sees it, she thinks, man, that's that's mm-hmm. kind of what we were trying to do. We just didn't mm-hmm. quite pull it together, you know. Um, I, I think I think that, that, that this... This is kind of the blueprint for what what maybe they they wanted to accomplish with uh, with Solo, but but also you know it also didn't have a great box office weekend, the same as Solo. So I don't know, maybe this at some point the market dictates what you know what what kind of movies uh, we're, we're we're gonna make. But but at least this one I thought uh, had a good, had a really good concept, a way to tie into uh, the previous series, and then and then executed it really well. What do you think of Chris Evans as as Buzz Lightyear as the the voice here? I thought he was really good. I thought he he tried to go for a little bit of the Tim Allen, like inspired by that performance, but not mm-hmm. fully fully in on it. Um, sure, you know I'm in on Chris. I thought Taika was was the best part of this. Uh, his mm-hmm. character Mo Morrison or whatever was was fantastic. Um, he's probably my favorite voice actor. That's not just a pure voice actor. That's out right now is is, is Taika. So uh, Kiki Palmer, love her too. Mm-hmm. Very excited to see her in Nope uh, coming up here in a few weeks. Yeah, I think she's a star. So, uh, you know, they have not a big cast too. This is like a very Wally sized cast. You know, there's like seven sure. people in the movie, and Bill Hader's one of them because he has to be in every Pixar movie, right? So, <laughs> right. that's right. kind of it's kind of where we're, who played Old Buzz? Who was that? Oh, it's uh, it's James Brolin. Okay, okay. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't, I wouldn't want to be and it wasn't on there. Spoilers at this point on this stuff, but yes. 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 Well, let's talk about, about that. What did you think of the time, time travel element of it, Brian? The time dilation element, sorry. Uh, Time travel is later in the movie, but the time dilation at the beginning of, uh, you know, his, his uh, best friend Hawthorne is getting older every time he comes back and that kind of interstellar callback there. I thought that was the most Pixar-y part of of the movie. Yes, that's the um, up the up opening, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you get you get all these elements kind of mixed together. My kid loves it. Cooper loved this movie. He's loving the visuals and the the jokes, and um, I, we could do a whole episode on socks. Socks was great. That's not usually something that I say. I think with with the the cute, lovable, you're, yeah, you, kid you, thing, you know, you're I mean, strictly sandals only. Like you don't even, <laughs> yeah, have a pair of never, socks. I don't even own socks. Yeah, uh, don't don't smell my shoes. No, the uh, my kid is loving all this stuff. The heroic elements of this of this character. You know, he made a mistake. He's trying to do everything he can to make up for it. That's a very classic, obviously very classic tropes, um, but they're done really well. And then you add this big element on top of it of he is i mean he's sacrificing his every day you know Mm -hmm. to to be out there trying to to rectify this situation and watching i thought it was a i mean truly that i thought it was one of the best sequences that pixar has done in in a very long time Uh, and it and it 
that element there again i said at the outset like there's there's stuff in the second and third act and maybe if you want to even say like the the majority of the second and third act is a little more basic is a little more disney animation versus pixar i mean just in terms of the story and and characters and all that sort of stuff that first act i i gotta be honest with you can't like that felt like very very traditional quintessential pixar this is what i'm looking for when i see it this is the difference between a pixar movie and a dreamworks animation movie or or whatever else i thought i thought it was brilliant brilliant sequencing i thought the way that they aged hawthorne um the the dropping in and out of her life and then you know culminating in that that video i mean of course i cried because i cry and everything it wasn't like a full gross ugly sob like inside out or toy story 3 or something like that but regardless I loved it. I thought it was great. So what what did what did you think? Where'd you fall on in the interstellar part of, of this whole thing? You know, I, I really liked the time dilation stuff at the beginning. I was a little more confused at the him coming in contact with his future self. Like that was a little bit more Same. hard mm-hmm. hard to justify. Maybe maybe they can get away with a lot of stuff in these movies. Sure. That sure. So that that seemed like a little bit of a cheat, like a emotional cheat in a way of, of having that in there. I thought it was really cool. And it was a, it was a really emotional moment for buzz. The, uh, the Chris Evans buzz. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was a little confused when it came up. Like I, how is this possible? And there wasn't a lot of, I mean, there's a little bit of exposition there and, and how it was, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I thought it was really smart to deal with real world physics there. I mean, that's how space time works. You know, the mm-hmm. theory of relativity and all that, it, it all comes back sure. around and it's, it's a, it's a topic that's breached on in so many influential science fiction films, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, interstellar or contact, which we had talked about recently on the VIP, listen to that episode or uh, 2001. I mean, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a common theme in science fiction. So I thought to bring it here, bring it in here in a, in a very, Pixar way, I thought was great. You know, I thought it, I thought it worked. Totally, it gave, it gave us a reason to care. It gave Buzz a reason to care. Yeah, and it was done in a way that my my nine year old could understand the the basics of. Like, it's pretty, it's it's obvious what's happening. Even if he doesn't really grasp the emotions of this and the <clears throat> like, the toll that this is taking on on both Buzz and and Hawthorne. Um, he understood like what what's happening, what what's going on with this, and I I think that that again as we always say that's the that's what sets Pixar apart more than maybe anything else is being Man. able to tell it adult heart- stories in a way that kids can understand or kids stories in a way that adults can relate to. You know, it was absolutely heartbreaking when he when he got back and she was yeah. dead. He yeah. just walks in and it's her her cough. You know, like I was like, oh man, yeah, that's so rough. Yeah, that video. I mean, I had two different people. I went to see this on, we went to see this on Father's Day on Sunday. Um, and I had, I had two people go see it either later that night or on Monday that texted me, you know, from the theater, be like, oh my God, the, <laughs> the video scene with Hawthorne just wrecked me. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's hello. It's, it's, you know, this is Pixar. This is what, this is what we do. Um, and yeah, I mean, not to, I mean, we are in spoilers, but at the end with our granddaughter and, I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a Space Ranger too now, Grandma. You know when she sees the statue mm-hmm. is, is yes, great gosh. too. I mean, also got me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was it was very good. You you kind of touched on it, so let's let's get to it. So we we get to they bring in Zerg. Zerg looks really cool. It's funny to have the uh, the the robots just repeating Zerg over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, 
That's funny when B- old Buzz is like, my name's Zerg, because that's all they call me. can call me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How do you... What it, how did you like the 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 reveal on who on who Zerg is? I I will say like, now he does this a lot, so you know, take it for what it's worth. But Cooper turned to me when they revealed that this is actually old Buzz Lightyear, and he was like, I knew it. I called it, I knew it in me. And I was like, Okay, buddy, all right, let's 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 <laughs> let's ease up a little bit. But yeah, I, I think that makes sense. Um it's a cool twist. And um mm-hmm. again, maybe, you know. How much does it water down the character of Zerg? Who knows? Because sure. Zerg is such a comedic um, timing character in, in the Toy Story movies. Mm. He's such a TARDIS ripoff, you know? Exterminate, <laughs> exterminate. It's got mm. this very <laughs> janky kind of yeah. robot feel to it, which I, I that's why Toy Story 2 is my favorite, because the whole mm. Zerg you know, Toy Story element of that movie just kills me. I love it. But man... It's a fun villain. It's an easy villain. And, uh, you know, it's a big bad guy. The robots looked cool. They were shooting guns everywhere. And, I mean, it was a fun... It led for some fun sequences, I thought. So, sure. I mean, it's the obvious villain, but it, to me, I thought they did it They did it justice. I thought it was a spot where it kind of showed maybe the pacing on that or the plotting or whatever was a little bit rushed. And I think it's purposeful because how are you going to explain? <laughs> I think you can do time dilation the way they did it in a in a way that that my nine year old is like, cool, got it, I'm on board. To to to, <laughs> to then explain the intricacies of time travel um, and how all of this stuff comes together would be a, a bit more difficult. So they 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 sort of rush through that and. You know, he's even like, yeah, this is some technology that I borrowed. Don't really get into that. It, it I felt like there was, there was a spot where maybe I, I'm I'm fine with the I'm cool with the plotting and what we did. The the sort of the way that we explain we explained it, the 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 narrative there maybe lost a little bit of that Pixar luster. Does that make any sense? Does that, mm-hmm. that resonate with you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, the entire movie, the entire movie, aside from you know the the opening setup and the animation aspect just lacks that Pixar, mm. you know that 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 quintessential charm. But I think they're going for mass blockbuster here. They're not going for emotional, mm-hmm. emo, you know, an emotional movie. Sure. Really, I mean, they has emotional elements, but overall, I think they're going yeah. for entertainment here and and excitement and and um, you know, incredible space. Sequence. I, I mean, mm-hmm. it's a totally different thing than than we normally see Pixar try to go for. I mean, I, I think I could compare it most to The Incredibles. Like it's 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 really that. Mm-hmm. It's really just The Incredibles with Buzz Lightyear. Um, what did you notice, Brian, in terms of the callbacks to other sci-fi movies? I have a few lists that I noticed, but uh, I sure. wonder if if you noticed any. Um, the ones I noticed was like the opening sequence with. Them coming out of cryo sleep like Alien, uh-huh. uh, yep. I, I liked that. Obviously, Ivan is Hal Nine Thousand from Two Thousand and One. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's blue instead of red, and uh, you know, Buzz crash lands on a swamp planet like Luke at, at Dagobah. I noticed that too. And then we have the uh, older character destroy an alien with a yellow piece of construction equipment, a la Ripley. 
Oh, in, yeah. Uh, sure. In Alien, too. So those are the ones I noticed. I'm sure there's more. I'm sure there's like sure. a thousand knowing Pixar. But did you notice any more? I didn't have an immediate, like, that's what this is from. But mm-hmm. I thought the turnip, <laughs> like the spaceship, was very reminiscent of what you would see from that kind of uh, large transport vehicle or whatever. Um, or large transport yeah. spaceship. I thought that was cool. Um, Maybe like the Martian of them being stranded on a planet too yeah uh a little bit of that and obviously socks is c-3po yeah yeah mixed with rtd i mean he's he's a droid yeah right yeah totally socks ruled i gotta be honest like i said i that was i usually expect that kind of of uh character or you know sometimes it's even hard to call him a character it's like you know the porgs (laughs) or whatever in last Mm -hmm. jedi you usually kind of expect those to be mostly there to entertain the little kids and sell merchandise. Um, and if they serve a plot point, like, you know, if, if they if they perform something within the plot one time, you're like, okay, cool, it did its job. But instead, I mean, I, I thought it was, was pretty layered and really funny. And, um, like, I was literally laughing out loud in a few, with a few of the things that, that, the the cat says or does the laser and when I, it just like goes after yeah. the laser randomly that was so damn yes, funny yes. Brian the the that pointer robot killed me the pointer yes. robot where he's like you must go south and then you will yeah. go east <laughs> the way they did that dialogue was so funny uh huh yeah I thought that set was great I thought it was it was some of the better uh, writing for for that type of character so yes you're, it was very reminiscent of C three PO plus R two D two mixed together of like Yes, these are here for very specific reasons, but also we're going to let them be characters, not just pets. And it's also like, a, that's what Hawthorne gave him, the cat. Mm-hmm. So he like wants yes. to keep it as his pet right. more than like he needs help, right. you know, like he has sentimental attachment yes. to it. Absolutely. Yeah. I thought that was great. And it, and it was, I thought it was a really good use of, of letting that, again, letting, letting socks be an actual character more than just uh, a plot point or or a, a MacGuffin, uh, and also actually writing for it and and giving giving the 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 giving the the robot cat some some uh, some moments that were that were mm-hmm. you know funny and worthwhile and all that sort of stuff. It was great. Cooper was super into that. Obviously, he loves animals, loves loves these movies. So this that was an easy sell for him, but it it worked it worked really really well. So. I dug that quite a bit. Looks great. This movie looks great. I think maybe that that may be the number one thing that you take away from it is is how good the animation is and how clear you know inspired and the, the craft that goes into uh, into making a movie like this. There's not a there's not a lot of uh, not a lot of throwaway and there's not there's certainly not. Uh, I don't think there's any any attention to detail that that goes you know unnoticed here when when you're talking about a. A Pixar movie. I think I, the movie looked great. Yeah, I, I'm I'm totally with you. The um the cone jails thing that they were in, you know, like the tractor beam cones. Super I thought funny. That was super, super good. good. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, like the the choice to make it like a hard mm-hmm. physical solid object was so because you could have just done lasers around them or mm-hmm. what a, you know force field. I thought right to have it as an actual thing just made for some great comedy. Yeah. Um. The rings ring uh, launcher things you know that he flies through to launch himself yeah that yeah. reminded me of star fox yeah yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> you know like you, sure. you go through the rings and go super fast in star fox and it's got to me thinking brian we've had two sonic movies 
Let's let's get a Star, Star Fox, Fox movie. movie, guys. Yeah, yeah, that's an easy one. I'm down. I'm down. <laughs> Falco and Slappy Turtle or whatever his name is. You know, I feel very confident that I've never played a Star Fox game. Uh, oh man, you missed out. I, Star Fox sixty four, all timer, all timer. At some point, for one of our AMAs, maybe last year or something. I think it was Joel, the guy who's running. I told you, like, that's all I wanted in life is like, as soon as I get fifty dollars, I'm buying Star Fox, (laughs) and I never have. Still, that was like an N64, or was it a Sega? It was 64. 64. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I, I said this on an AMA a long time. It's partly just my age. It's partly we didn't have much money. It's partly I was not into video games as a kid at all. I'm still video games never been a huge part of my my life. Uh, But the question we got one time for an AMA was something to the effect of what's the best Christmas gift you've ever received and why was it in a Nintendo 64? Yeah. And I replied, I was like, I've never played a Nintendo 64 ever. Not one my time. My gosh, like, man. I didn't know anybody who had it. What? Sure part of it was my age. Like, I almost everybody I, I, know, I knew had it. <laughs> nobody, I, I mean, I'm sure wow. maybe somebody you know, did. You guys like, PlayStation or... I I think we just like skipped. I would have to go back and look at the history of like what year that actually came out, how old I was, and all that stuff. But like, I I operated in this world where like video games really were not a big part of most of my peer groups mm-hmm. um, thing. We 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 played sports. We talked about sports all the times. I was really into movies at a younger age. I think than than some people were. But like, I knew tons and tons of people who had a Nintendo. I knew a good chunk of people who had uh, an, a Super Nintendo or got a Sega, and then I knew people who had the GameCube, and I just it just like that for whatever reason the sixty four just like completely skipped um, my my friends and my peer group. I think so. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they all had them at home and they wouldn't let me play, or they didn't want. To, I don't know. Didn't tell me they had them or something. But no, I've never I've never played a Nintendo sixty four. When I got to college, the the guy who lived across the hall from me. Who freshman year lived across the hall from me? Sophomore year we were roommates. He had a PS2 and a GameCube, and I played those a bit. But that was really the first time I ever was like I ever really played a home console was like sophomore year of of college. So, Between like ninety five and ninety eight, I think mm-hmm. GoldenEye, Star Fox, and mm-hmm. Mario Kart. Yeah. I probably probably took three to four months off my life with the, the amount sure, yeah. like every spend the night with the friends was that <laughs> yeah. I had one friend that had a Sega and that mm-hmm. was cool because he had Mortal Kombat and he had Sonic and he had Echo the Dolphin or whatever. He had the, mm. you know, the, the, um, Toy Story game. I remember we played that a sure. bunch, which is a great sure. Sega game. If you can ever, ever mm. get it. it's very hard though. It's way too hard. We never get, get very well, <laughs> but with it, but yeah, man, uh, Star Fox movie, Bring it on. This this inspired me. I was sure. like, man, I would love to see a Star Fox movie in this same style. Just like a space adventure with fun, mm. funny characters that's sure. animated, that has style and personality. Um, let's get on writing that, Brian. That'd be an easy yeah. sell to Hollywood. Sounds good. Uh, I mean, uh, I remember the trailer for that game too, more than It was on Super Nintendo right? too, I think. But okay. I remember Star Fox have, it was the first game that ever had the rumble pack. It was the first mm. game that had vibrating controller. Which gotcha. now is like standard on every right. controller, Constant. but then Constant. it like came with the game. It was like sixty five bucks as opposed to fifty, but you got the Rumble Pack like included <laughs> with it, you know. So you're like, man, this is this is like virtual reality. Like it was right. it was unbelievable. It was the height of luxury. Oh right man, here. it was yeah. it was really good. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Oh, one more I did have, Brian, was I noticed the periscope that they use to look at the Zerg planet was like Wally's eyes. Uh, okay. Inspired. Yeah. So that was yeah. a cool call callback. I'm sure there's, there's a, lot a lot of, of stuff in here callbacks. that 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 uh, like Ivan too has similarities to the the the, the radio technology and in Wally and stuff like that. Oh, I there's, thought it looks kind of like the sp- the speaking spell from uh from Toy Story. <laughs> okay. Bit. Yeah, I can see that too. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, that's all I've got, man. Have you got anything else to add before we do grades and weekly recommend and get out of here? Nothing. Uh just like I said, if you can go in not offended by oh my gosh. Uh, anything. I think you're going to have a freaking great time with this. And yeah. one more thing I wanted to touch on, Brian, because I was reading mm. an article earlier today. It might have been on Variety or something like that about Pixar employees and talking about this distribution strategy that Disney's taken with them. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering how much longer they can get away with um, you know, one theatrical year and and couple on Disney Plus because I think they they said they had an anonymous person at Pixar who's an animator that spoke to them and said we aren't a feeding system for Disney Plus. Like that's not what Pixar wants to be. They really feel like everyone there. They said they're true artists. Like they they really feel like they're not mm-hmm. just a stash away animation company that cranks mm-hmm. out movies mm-hmm. to drive up subscriptions. That's not that's not what they do. I think I got two things on that because it's maybe unsurprisingly I a little bit centrist on this. The one is this is not just exclusive. This is certainly not exclusive to to Pixar animators and employees and all that. It's just something that the that the industry as a whole is going to have to to come to terms with. In much the same way that we just had to eventually live with the fact that that the the a bunch of movies that are going to come out every year are remakes, reboots, sequels, prequels. Said many times, we've lost that war. There's just no point in even in even pushing back against it anymore. It's over. You just want to pick the right movies. That's all we're that's all we need to be worried about at this point is just pick the right movies to remake, reboot, sequelize, etc. This is what the industry is going to be. And so I have faith that that the theater industry is going to survive. It's going to come out different on the other side of of these next few years, but it but it it's going to survive. But the home streaming thing is not going away, and so you can say all day, and I, I might even agree with you. Like we are not a feeder system for for Disney Plus, or similarly, the the pushback that Warner Brothers got for the HBO Max decision last year to push all their movies onto the HBO Max and all these sorts of things. I get the sentiment. Also, though, this is what pays the bills now is if you're not making Black Panther Wakanda forever, you're making something that is that is at least in the back of the minds of the people who are giving you the money to make it is ultimately about how is it going to do when we put it on the streaming service, whether it goes directly to the streaming service or it doesn't. That's a huge, huge, huge part of the decision-making process and it's not going to change. It's not going to. So there needs to be an adaptation. Um, even if you don't want to, you're going to have to, at a certain point, accept this. And this is just the way that it is now. Um, mm-hmm. You're getting paid to make a movie that's going to sell subscriptions to Disney plus or HBO max or Apple plus or whatever else. It just, it is, it is a fact at this point. So you're just going to have to learn to live with it on the flip side. Said at the outset, Bob Chapek is a disaster, <laughs> and 
every day that Michael Eisner doesn't push his way back into that, uh, uh, or excuse me, uh, oh, uh, not Michael Bob Eisner. Iger, not Michael Eisner. Sorry, <laughs> I just <Please> read. <laughs> I just read that uh, Iger's book uh, like a, a couple of weeks ago, and mm-hmm. it's still still on my. Mind. Anyway, every day that Iger doesn't push his way back into it, um, I think is a bad day for Disney. I, oh sure. I I you know the 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 firing of uh what's his name peter rice or whoever that michael rice that was that was running the streaming stuff out of nowhere not great like there's a whole lot of bad things that are that are happening um with disney right now and i don't know how long chapet can push that off before it it fully resides on like hey who's okay what's the common denominator here um and to that point he has not handled the Pixar stuff well at all. Like there has not been, I think a, a consistent communication of like what we're even doing with this service. What are we doing with, with Pixar? How are we, all these things, there's some hard conversations that are going to need to be had. I don't think that they're having those hard conversations. I think they're just kind of getting willy nilly answers, um, that maybe aren't consistent, maybe don't have a lot of great, um, reasoning behind them it at the very least there is an inconsistency that is happening with disney that just didn't happen for for the 15 years or whatever that that Iger was in charge well and, somehow i i mean right when Iger took over as ceo he made some great moves you know right like he got pixar right. he got marvel he got star wars you know like i think it was clear very early on that bob Iger was the right person for the job <laughs> i think it's yeah. v- clear very early on that Bob Chapek's not the right person for the job. So hopefully totally yep. like, like Iger actually stepped back into the role, like during the mm-hmm. pandemic. Cause he's like, this company can't survive without me right now. Yeah. You know, like I have to be able to do there to mm-hmm. deal with all the parks shutting down and all that stuff like that needed leadership. And right. Bob was the guy for that. So unless Bob's running for president next, like, <laughs> which he's, yeah. you know, talked about, I'd vote for him. Hell, uh, regardless of party. Uh, the thing about it you know it's like just we need you bob come on we need you bro yeah i mean there's something's got to change i i bob one not bob two firing firing rice i think pretty much everybody acknowledges that the only reason he was fired is because chapek felt like he was a threat (laughs) that he's doing such a poor job that he needed to fire somebody who who the board might move to if they fired him that's not great that's not what you want from from the head of, you know, one of the biggest companies in the entire world. That's not awesome. Um there's a lot of things that need to that need to change. I and I don't know, you know, I I I, I feel pretty confident at this point that that Chapek he is who he's gonna be. He is who he thought he is, you know? So mm-hmm. could probably you could probably just move ahead with that. But, you know, you look bad when you fire a guy like that so early on in the process. What are the uh, odds I, that they're going to, it's going to be Kathleen Kennedy at some point. Maybe I'm higher on Kathleen Kennedy than you are, but I also, Oh, I'm, I like Kathy. I like Kathy Kennedy. I, I, I think, I think the fact that Feige has now sort of been brought in to the star Wars mix tells me that, that maybe they, they, they don't see, uh, Kathleen Kennedy in that that light anymore, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I regardless, um, so maybe they could just hire you and me and, and Richard. We could we could tag team it. We could figure it out. Because JPEG's they, terrible. I mean, I think that's the end of. I it. think Bob that's, Iger, like uh, you know, you read his book. The guy, yeah. 
the guy greenlit Twin Peaks to be on the the thing. Like <laughs> he's like, I don't get this, but he was mm-hmm. a tastemaker at his heart. Like he knew good and bad when he saw it. He was mm-hmm. able to give notes yeah. that were constructive to movies. It, you know, I think Disney needs a true creative at the helm. I think that what you've seen with Chapek is that I think in part he's probably just been promoted above the level that he's capable of of handling. And also, I think because like he came from the Parks Division, the Parks Division did a great job under his leadership, and that's partly why he ends up getting the role that that he does. I also think that it was probably a lot easier to do that when you had Iger at the top than it is <laughs> than it is without him. You know? Did you ever it's, read it's, um, uh, Creativity Inc. by Ed Catmull, the founder? I of haven't Pixar. read that one. It's on my shelf, but I haven't had a chance to. You got to you got to read that one, man. That one is mm-hmm. that one's special. I mean, Ed Catmull, like, literally invented CG, like, back in the 70s. Mm. Like, they started mm. it from Polygons, you know, this company. Right. And it's right. – uh, this the foundation of Pixar is so special that I just don't want to see anything, regardless of profit and loss, compromise that. You know, I sure. think Disney makes enough money across the board that they don't have to freaking make a billion dollars on every Pixar movie. Like, you can make sure. good movies for the sake of making good movies, I think. Yeah. So. We'll see. Totally. That's all I got. Let's hit a grade. Yeah. What's your grade for this? Oh, man. This is tough. Um, Between an A minus and an A. So probably like a 93 and a half on my 1 to 100 scale. So I'll go like, uh, I'll go A minus. What about you? Okay. I'm straight A. Uh, You know, I keep a, I keep a letterbox list every year for, for my movies. I keep another one for the movies that Coop sees. Because we like, I like to talk to him about the movies we see and and start kind of those dialogues of thinking a little bit critically. I don't push out him too hard on all that stuff. But the second, the second the movie ended, he turned to me and was like, "Straight to the top, put it straight to the top oh, yeah. of, this of is my be list." A rewatch, like, okay, like sweet, yeah, for yeah. And then boys. he was he was offended with me when he saw me uh, ranking it in the Pixar. Like I have a Pixar list on Letterbox as well, and I put it somewhere in like the I don't know, 15th range or something like that. He was, he was like legitimately angry at me. He's like, what are you talking about? That's the greatest movie I've ever seen, dad. What? (laughs) You're not my father. There's a lot of great movies, man. I don't know what to tell you. Like, you know, you'll understand when you're my age or whatever. That's awesome. I had a great time with this. I thought it was a blast. This is definitely going to be a player in my house. uh, Many times over, I'm sure when it gets to uh, Disney plus and whatnot, but uh, probably be next week. (laughs) <laughs> yeah the way this works we're gonna fast track this bad boy to Disney Plus. uh we'll, we'll see we'll see where the franchise goes from here uh can't before we get out here let's do a quick uh let's do a little weekly recommend yeah, yeah. weekly recommends all right kento what you got man i'm gonna recommend a movie that is currently on netflix brian okay okay um i don't know if you and richard have watched this yet we we'll probably talk about it at some point i watched hustle with Adam okay. Sandler. Yeah, haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Haven't oh watched my it gosh. So, Everybody who so, sees it. So good, my God. Really good. This is like the most Brian Gill movie of all time. <laughs> it's about, Sandler's a basketball scout for the 76ers and he goes and recruits like a European player, you know, to try to break him <laughs> into the end. Like, how do you didn't write this movie? I don't, I don't know. Like, because somebody out there clearly was like, yeah, Sandler likes basketball, but he can't like play <laughs> basketball in a movie. So I'm going to capture that energy somehow mm-hmm. and get, you know, uncut gems kind of touched on his basketball love, but like 
This was one of my favorite Sandler roles ever. I mean, he's fantastic in this. He might be one of my favorite actors of all time if he keeps going <laughs> this like these types of movies. Yeah, yeah. like uh, just watch it, Brian. It's got all the great NBA cameos you'd want. Dirk pops up in it. Yeah, a plus. Not only already. Dirk, yeah. but Luca, the Cubes. I mean, it was mm-hmm. it was a lot. It was almost too much. I mean, to be correct. awesome. But awesome. Uh, hustles hustle gets my recommend, man. I really Sweet. really enjoyed it. Very nice. I haven't had time to watch it yet, but we're going. I imagine we're going to review that in a week or two. So beyond that, it's the good version of draft day. People reach out. It's a good version of draft day. That's my mini review. That's perfect. That is perfect. I will definitely check that out. Uh, My recommend is is also basketball related. Uh, It's a book called "From Hang Time to Prime Time: Business, Entertainment, and the Birth of the Modern Day NBA" by Pete Croata. Croato, excuse me. I really enjoyed this. It is about I've read I wish Richard was here today. I recommended this to him and told him you need to you need to read this. I don't know if he's got to it yet. I've read dozens and dozens of, of basketball books, Kent, because I love I love mm-hmm. basketball, I love reading about it. Um there are very few books that are specifically about the era of the late seventies to the Basically, let's let's say seventy eight to nineteen ninety. Mm-hmm. If anything is written about that period, it is usually uh, hyper focused uh, on. It is a Magic Johnson book, a Larry Bird book, a Michael Jordan book, something mm-hmm. like that. There's just not a lot of. There hasn't been a lot of books written about the era itself, and this is a a crucial era for the NBA because it goes from a league that it has. Like the NBA Finals is tape delayed at the in the seventies to being the second biggest global sport behind soccer and our biggest sporting export. Um, over the course of this like twelve to fifteen year uh, process, and it's there's a lot of factors in that, including Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, the Dream Team all these sorts of things. But a huge part of it is just the business decisions that were made behind the scenes that David Stern, the commissioner made. And this like really higher level understanding of what product he had to market and, and how to, how to market those things and how to tie it into the culture. So, um, so that's what this book is about. And I loved it. It was great. It was a really fun read. Um, I don't think that you have to be a basketball junkie to enjoy this. Uh, if you're like completely out on sports, probably not going to be uh, the book for you. But if you're a casual sports fan or just like into the value of like just uh, reading about entertainment, mm-hmm. even um, I think it's a really good book for that. And uh, Tobin and I are interviewing the author uh, tomorrow actually oh, nice. so next week's episode um is we're we're going to be interviewing him talking about it so spread the floor anyway, by the way is the pod for- spread the floor is, is the basketball podcast mm-hmm. that uh that that I host and uh yeah we'll be we'll be interviewing him there and talking about the book but it's a really good read and I really enjoyed it um and like I said I don't think you have to be a crazy basketball junkie to uh to enjoy it did you read uh, this but, new so Dirk book yet the great Nowitzki I haven't read it yet um I have it on my shelf I'm a little intimidated to even open it. Uh, Richard and Tobin and I went to the book signing mm-hmm. that uh, the author did a couple months ago, and Dirk you got it up. signed, so got right? It, yeah, yeah, we got it signed by Dirk, and 
and the author, author, both of them were, were great. It was a really cool night. Um, I, you know, just don't want to cry all that much. Heard you guys uh, met some families. of my, my Mavs co- coworkers there. <laughs> we did. We did. We saw, saw we Tim saw Cato, like all, the, the great yeah, Tim, Tim Cato. Cato. Richard went and talked to, to Cato. We saw, uh, Bobby Corral. We saw a whole mm. bunch of, of Mavs media. Uh, your boy Demarius was there as yep. well. So, um, yeah, it was a, it was a great time. Really cool time. But I haven't, I haven't got a chance to, to read the book yet. Um, I imagine that'll be one of my, uh, my summer tasks, but, uh, yeah. Nice. Anyway, check this one out. It's called from hang time to prime time by Pete Croato. Um, Kent, so it's about, it's about this. So it's about the seventies on to now, or is it like more modern day NBA? It is, it like, is exclusively about, I think it starts in like 1975. Oh, so I, okay. I'm seeing here it's 75 to 89. Yeah. 75 to 89, but it's mostly, mostly like 83 to 89 is, is nice. the bulk of the bulk of the book. So Michael Jordan, David Stern, the Lakers Celtics rivalry. Mm-hmm. Um, but also again, like how this ties into the culture and the like willingness to embrace, uh, hip hop culture and slam dunks uh, and slam yeah. dunks and like how important the VCR and VHS tapes was mm-hmm. to the NBA Interesting. and all-star weekend and things like that. It's, I it's love, really cool. I, really I mean, cool. I work in sports. I work for a sports media company, so I love sports, but like sports business and sports mm-hmm. stuff is I'm way more into that than like the actual games. Like give me sure. yeah. all the documentaries about <laughs> the business side. And right. the, I mean, totally. that's, I'm so excited for the Matt Damon Nike m- movie. Same. I mean, that's yeah. going to be totally. sweet. Totally. That's our that's version of Ford V Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. I'm looking forward to that as well. Okay. Thanks for being here. Thank you for listening. Um, if you want more of Mad About Movies, well, you need to go to madamamoviespodcast.com slash VIP. Join our VIP club for five bucks a month. You get access to at least four throwbacks a month, uh, all kinds of extra bonus audio content like AMAs. Uh, and, and a big selling point is our exclusive VIP Discord where you can talk day and night with VIPs, with movie watchers around and us, the globe. by the way, not and just us, the VIPs. Us. And us. We're in there all the time. Even Richard shows up every once in a while. Um, mm-hmm. We would love to have you join us there. So go to madamamoviespodcast.com slash VIP. Sign up for that. We'll be back next week talking about Elvis. We have a really cool uh, VIP episode this week uh, on Minority Report celebrating its 20th anniversary, which makes me feel quite old. Um, we look forward to uh, seeing you next week here in Mad About Movies HQ. Until then, stay safe. Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs And maybe I seem a bit confused Yeah, maybe, but I've got you pegged <laughs> But I don't know what to do With those tossed salads and scrambled eggs They're calling again Scrambled eggs all over my face They're making me ya ya Salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again.